A United Airlines engine fire spurs Boeing 777 groundings as airlines halted dozens of older models after the failure of the Pratt & Whitney engine showered debris onto a Denver suburb and prompted regulators to order emergency inspections. I'm heading zero at zero, United 328 Heavy. And a look at what desperate homebuyers and their agents are doing to compete in a super tight housing market. Crane's residential real estate reporter Dennis Rodkin joins the podcast today with more. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist. It's Monday, February 22nd. When it comes to a professional like your doctor or lawyer, you want someone who knows you well. Wintrust believes you should have the same relationship with your banker, someone you can call directly and know they'll understand your concerns. Thousands of local business owners called their Wintrust banker when they needed Paycheck Protection Program loans. They called, Wintrust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. We're joined now by Crane's residential real estate reporter, Dennis Rodkin, here to talk about what home buyers are doing to compete in a super tight market. Dennis, what can you tell me about this? You know, Amy, you and I have been talking for weeks about how very short inventory is, how there are very few homes to buy if you're out there on the market, and yet demand is very high. So uh, many homes are going into multiple bid uh, offer situations, and people want to stand out. I know that I'm up against other bidders, so how can I sweeten the pot? And um, what I'm hearing from agents is that people are doing things like sending uh, buyer, buyer bidders are sending flowers to the sellers, just as a way to say, hey, maybe notice my bid first, uh, offering one couple offered uh, sh- a champagne dinner at a high-end restaurant in Chicago. They, they wouldn't divulge to me which one, but trying to make their bid stand out. If, you'll, if our bid prevails, we'd like to send you out to dinner, that sort of thing. It's a way simply to say, I know the competition is fierce. Please notice me. And the ones that you mentioned uh, from your story, it sounds like the, they didn't, they weren't the winning bid. They were not. It was, it's very interesting to think, you know, it, you receive flowers at your home and even so you go with another bid. I think that that is probably because most of these agents would not be real specific because these deals have not yet closed. So nobody can tell me this is a house on Main Street that sold for $502,000. Um, But I would assume that in most cases, the winning bid was still the highest price. Unfortunately, when you're in a multiple bid situation, you don't know what the other people are bidding. You know that your agent has said, this one's going to go fast. You know that the listing agent has said, we want all offers by Sunday at five or whatever it is. So you're sort of bidding blind. And so if you haven't gone in with some ridiculously high number that you feel confident will win the day, then there may, you also may not go in with that super high number because you don't think the house will appraise out and you think then that your deal would fail, but you want to stand out. And so you're trying to do something to say, we don't know how we stack up against the others, but I'll bet nobody else sent you flowers. Or promise champagne or whatever. Or promise champagne, yeah. So in your story, you also mentioned the, the kind of longstanding practice of sending a personal note to the seller. This seems way beyond that. So is that even still in the mix anymore? 
that's still in the mix. But um, I, th the reason I called it a longstanding practice is that I think some people, uh, people reinvent the wheel. I know, let's send them a note saying how, how important this house is to us. It's been around for a long time. I mean, when I moved from the city to the suburbs in 1998, 23 years ago, we won a bidding war by sending a note to the uh, sellers saying, we love this house and here's why it would be perfect for us. Um, this has been around for a long time. It is a good idea. I'm not saying you shouldn't send a personal letter. I'm just saying that uh, it's very likely that everybody else who was bidding against you is also sending a personal letter at this point. It's a, it's a well-known um, strategy. And so obviously this will start to maybe ease a little bit when inventory goes back up. At what point do you get the sense that that will shift? You know, I'm hoping, I, we don't have a sign that it, that it is shifting yet, and we don't have a benchmark for when it will. But it seems to me that it's likely that our inventory situation changes in the next couple of months when a lot of sellers start to realize, you know, even during this very snowy February, buyers were out buying. And my neighbors sold their houses in multiple offer situations for more than their asking price. And I have figured out what I think is happening with my job situation, with the US economy, with COVID. So maybe now I'm finally ready to actually put mine on the market. So my guess is, or my estimate is that we should see the inventory situation start to ease up over the course of the next few months, but maybe not. I mean, one thing we need to keep in mind is a lot of people are very happy in the houses they have and aren't going to put them on the market. So it's very possible that these kinds of bids uh, these kinds of extra bids like the flowers and the champagne will continue and maybe i'll be coming back with crazier stories maybe people will be offering go stay in my condo in cancun or go uh, i'll walk your dog for a month or whatever it would be because these bidding wars could get even more competitive over the course of the next couple of months indeed well what else will you be watching closely about uh, buyers and sellers in the market right now well, on the subject of prices, uh, we will this week get more Case-Shiller data, get the most recent Case-Shiller data, which over the course of the past few months has been showing our home prices rising quickly, rising really in big steps each month. Uh, that confirms a lot of the other data that I report. It's the most solid price data, Case-Shiller. And I would imagine that um, what we will see will probably tell some people, you know, prices are really rising steadily. If I'm a buyer, that's not great news. I need to get out and, and get a house, get a home as quickly as I can before prices rise right out of my reach. But if I'm that on the fence seller, if I'm that person saying, well, I don't really know yet, the way prices are rising may pull a lot of people into the market, which could help to ease some of the inventory problem. Well, we will keep turning to you for the latest and see all that unfold. Thanks so much, Dennis. Appreciate you taking the time to talk it through today. Thanks, Amy. Coming up, retailer Foxtrot Market raises $42 million from investors, including Joe Mansueto and the former co-CEO of Whole Foods. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Chicago Comes Back provides resilient leadership insights to help your business move forward from the pandemic. Delivered on Thursdays, this free e-newsletter features up-to-date information and guidance for Chicago's businesses. Sign up at chicagobusiness.com slash Chicago Comes Back. You're listening to Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. 
A day after an engine caught fire on a United flight raining debris near Denver, dozens of older models of the Boeing 777 were grounded and regulators ordered emergency inspections. Mayday, Mayday, United uh, 28, United 328 Heavy, Mayday, Mayday aircraft. Uh. The incident on a United flight from Denver to Honolulu took place shortly after it took off on Saturday. 28 Heavy, go ahead. One able um, fuel and souls on board and intentions. We'd like to return to Denver as soon as possible here, and uh, we'll get you the souls in a minute. The Boeing 777 landed safely back at Denver, and nobody was injured by the falling debris. And as you may have seen on social media, footage of the burning engine was filmed by a passenger, while people on the ground captured scenes of the plane overhead and the scattered aircraft parts near homes. Japan's transportation ministry grounded aircraft with that engine type on Monday, while Korean Airlines and Asiana Airlines idled theirs, and the UK banned such jets from its airspace. A Japan Airlines 777-200 fitted with the engines suffered a similar failure on December 4th. The United incident, however, came on the same day as a separate emergency in the Netherlands on a 747 cargo jet using the same family of engines. The Pratt & Whitney brand of engines are installed on a small portion of the Twin Isle 777s in service. And while the Denver event doesn't suggest broader problems with the 777, a twin-engine wide-body plane typically used on intercontinental routes, it does add another issue to Chicago-based Boeing's to-do list, just on the heels of the 737 MAX being cleared to fly again in markets including the U.S. and Europe. The company also halted deliveries of its 787 Dreamliners to check for manufacturing flaws. The EU Aviation Safety Agency said Monday that it was in touch with the FAA about the Denver incident, as well as about the engine failure in the Netherlands. Canadian developer Pacific Reach Properties plans two high-rises with more than 1,000 apartments next to presidential towers in the West Loop. The Vancouver-based developer wants to build the towers, one 47 floors high and the other 40, just south of presidential towers and east of the Kennedy. That according to an email downtown alderman Brendan Riley sent to constituents. With 1,053 units, if it happens, it would be the biggest apartment project in downtown Chicago in at least three decades. Pacific Reach wouldn't complete construction until the end of 2023 at the earliest. The company plans the two buildings on West Monroe, a parcel it acquired in 2018 for $28 million, marking its first deal in Chicago. The company's been in discussions with Alderman Riley about the plans since then and has made several changes since that point, too, according to Riley's email. The developer has lowered the height of the taller building from originally 54 stories, dropped a plan to include a hotel in the project, added retail space and bike spaces, and lowered the height of the podium at the base of the two buildings, according to the alderman. But Pacific Reach still has to clear some hurdles before it can start building. Because the developer is proposing a bigger project than allowed under current zoning, its proposal needs the approval of the Chicago Plan Commission and the full city council, according to Riley's email. To secure the zoning it needs, the developer plans to contribute $5.5 million to a city fund to support commercial development on the south and west sides. Pacific Reach also must meet a city requirement that it set 10% of the apartments aside as affordable housing to residents of moderate to low incomes. And though the company says it plans to work in phases, Pacific Reach would also need to secure equity and debt financing to pay for construction, which would cost more than $300 million. 
Bolingbrook-based ATI Physical Therapy plans to go public in a deal with a blank check company. ATI, which operates almost 900 clinics in 25 states, will merge with Fortress Value Acquisition Corp. That according to a press release that also said private equity firm Advent International, which bought ATI in 2016, will stay the biggest shareholder. It also said ATI's CEO, CFO, and COO will remain in their roles. ATI has about 5,000 workers, about 300 of which are at its Bolingbrook headquarters. Chicago startup Foxtrot Market raised $42 million from investors who include Morningstar founder Joe Mansueto and former co-CEO of Whole Foods, Walter Robb. The investment was led by Almanac Insights, a New York-based venture fund, and Monogram Capital Partners, based in Los Angeles. Foxtrot operates small, upmarket convenience stores with an online delivery service, and like other grocers, it's benefited during the pandemic. Its e-commerce business tripled last year compared with sales that doubled in 2019. The company said it gets half its sales in person and the other half online. Foxtrot has 10 stores, eight in Chicago and two in Dallas. It'll open nine stores this year, including two in Washington, D.C., set to open in about two weeks. And that's Crane's Daily Gist for now. Our continuous news feed lives at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to our guest today, Crane's residential real estate reporter, Dennis Rodkin. Be sure to subscribe to these conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And let's continue talking there about these and other business stories. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.